Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now let's face it, everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years, and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me, and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game, and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line, and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on the racetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. Delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Another big show coming your way. Life can be a drag, but it can be a fun drag when it's at the bend and the drags were at bend on the weekend. Nathan Prendergast to talk to us about what was an amazing start to the NDRC for 2023-24 season. We'll also catch up with Richard Crow and Mark Walker to talk about what's been a massive weekend in sport and a massive weekend to come with the Supercars penultimate round on the Gold Coast. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, as we do always off the top of the program, we say g'day to Richard Crow from theracetalk.com. Hello, Crowsey. Big weekend sport, Shebex. Hello. Massive, massive weekend, massive week, massive weekend coming. We'll get through it all in the next hour or so. But I tell you what, Crosby, we need to speak to a man who had a fair bit of involvement in bringing pictures of what was an amazing uh, opening of the drag strip down at the bend. Well, I think pictures is underselling the role that this man plays in the National Drag Racing Championship. A brand new era for drag racing kicked off in Australia at the weekend at the Bend Motorsport Park. 35,000 people, Shebex, over two days turned out. And I'm sure a man that was very happy to see every one of them was our old mate, Nathan Prendergast, who joins us on the show. Hello, Nathan. How are you? Good, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Um, When you, I imagine you got 20 seconds at some point in the madness that was Saturday to look out and see 20,000 people lined up watching top fuel cars at the bend. What were you thinking at that point? Well, I was just grateful. I was I was really happy for the Shahins that their investment 
was seeing the recognition and reward it deserved that that you know if you build it they will come and that's exactly what happened i think for a lot of people have been telling sam for a long time the moment you do this trust me there's the fan base there's the competitor base people will come so on saturday even friday for that matter uh, when it was just a test day um, to see the people there i was you know really really pleased that south australia and a lot of the rest of the country turned up in force to see what was a historic opening of an absolutely amazing facility you know obviously the weather wasn't on our side for most of the weekend but especially on saturday it was was absolutely horrendous, but it was still fantastic to see the fans turn out in droves. Nathan, I was there the week before for the Shannon's Trophy Series and was fortunate enough to spend three hours overlooking the drag strip while I supervised an exam for one of our Formula Ford competitors. They gave us, and, I, and as I'm looking around and I'm seeing workers still doing stuff, I thought there's no way this is going to be ready in a week. <laughs> the amount of work that must have gone into that place in that final week to get it right and get it ready because the place looks schmick. Uh, it was a credit to everyone. Yeah, it was a brilliant job by everyone. I mean, Steve Betts uh, and his team, uh, Alistair, they all did just a remarkable job to get there. But yeah, I mean, I remember talking to Andy Lopez on Wednesday uh, about who, who had flown down earlier about how it was going. And at that point, there was still toilets sitting in boxes on the ground. Like yeah. they were still installing final bits and pieces. So to get it, operational to get it um, able to hold up that many people on its opening was a, was a real credit to them. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot of things were uh, finished off at, at the end, but to, to be totally honest with you, when you were there on the Saturday and Sunday, it didn't feel like that. It didn't look like that. Didn't feel unfinished. It didn't feel tardy. Um, I think there's a lot of learnings um, that the venue now has from putting that many people through and through its paces and maybe some of the layout I can tell you from a top fuel perspective, the pit layout will be different next time. But, you know, when you were there, you wouldn't have known it was literally finished 12 hours before it hit the gates open. We, we should backtrack because it wasn't just the opening of the Bendragway. It was the first round of the new NDRC. So for listeners of our show that might not be aware of where this has come from, can you give us the overview of how this has emerged, where you and Andy and, and the partners involved in your business have come to bring drag racing together and create this new championship. Yeah, so I'll try to make it as brief as possible because it's quite, it's a story like over a decade in the making, but essentially um, drag racing would, had been divided down two lines um, for a number of years, for over a decade, for a whole bunch of reasons that are not really worth getting into. Um, I've had a long association with drag racing was in fact, the whole reason all of my motorsport experience and television experience exists is due to drag racing. Um, and therefore I've had a lot of friends in it and I was having some conversations with Bruce Reed in, uh, 2021 about early 2021 about what's going on with drag racing. What's he going to do with his fuel car? And essentially there was a fair bit of, um, yeah, unknown, a bit disillusioned about the future. He asked me my opinion on what I thought needed to happen. I, I gave it to him. It led to a meeting with the rest of the top field teams and, and a bit of a, a plan was formed about what I suggested they should do to go forward. But I didn't have the time or the means to execute it myself. So a very good friend of mine who's been a client of mine, uh, oh, sorry, I've um, done some work for him for over a decade, Andy Lopez, who runs Summonats. Rocky Nats Motor X, pretty much every motoring festival in Australia. 
I said, told him about the idea of which he was extremely excited and we formed what was Top Fuel Australia. And we basically set off and did our own championship with the fuel cars. On the surface, it looked like further division. It looked like uh, now we've got a third breakaway series. And and I can see how it was viewed like that. And I, and I guess it essentially was at the start. But our aim was simple, was to run really good drag racing events, put on a great show, step away from a traditional event coverage style of drag racing while still respecting those those cores and and get on with running the top field championship and in a similar way to the bend if you build it they will come with our series if we do a great series and we run cars and people turn up and have faith and trust in drag racing again then it will come so it really was only 13 14 months later where you know key stakeholders in the sport got together um and went you know what this is working what you guys are doing is has merit i think we proved ourselves we ran 11 race meetings or something in 13 months and then there was also the the tragic passing of sam fennick which i think was a bit of a wake-up call for a lot of the sport a lot of the competitors i'm like you know essentially we're all doing this for the same reasons why are we fighting why are we doing it differently so Mm. andy and i essentially in a weekend came up with the ndrc (laughs) We were trying to find a name and we were rem- uh, remembering the old Super League stuff. And he said, well, the ARL became the NRL because it was national. Let's make it the National Drag Racing Championship. It was like, it was literally, <laughs> it was literally that quick of a decision. We put a pitch together and then we went and saw the key people that were really involved, which was a combination of tracks, racer groups, everything. Put a pitch in and then um, everyone agreed that this was the way forward. And, and it was a really big step because we had to convince a lot of people with a a lot of history, a lot of investment in in the sport that have that have done a lot to to take it forward, and it was a it was a massive trust moment from them to to go. Okay, here you go, guys, do it. So it's been a massive amount of work between now and then to get it together. Um, we certainly haven't underestimated the work ahead, and we are, have definitely not executed on everything that we want to, um, particularly with the sportsman races. Um, but we um, are committed to this and really passionate about taking drag racing further. Hey, Nath, would it be fair to say that COVID gave you an opportunity to to have a, a clear run at it? Had you have done it with COVID not around, there still would have been a whole lot of process happening between the other two. COVID sort of gave that separation and then you guys were able to, to move away with what you had? I, I think it 100% generated an opportunity because of covid other racing series weren't active right no one had calendars no one could set calendars no one was sure on the direction there was not a lot of commercial involvement from partners in the sport um so it was very stagnant so it, it was part of the reason why people were starting to ask questions and feel a little bit disillusioned and it was also allowed us to move quickly and make some some calls to get it. the top fuel series at least up and running the ndrc nothing to do with covid but most yeah. definitely where this germinated yeah covid helped yeah where, where where's the plan from here uh, aside from surviving the first round and then and then getting through an inaugural season i mean you must take pride in the fact or, or or i'm not quite sure what the the right word is motivation perhaps that when you see a full crowd turn up that 
you've already got half the job because you've got an attendance. So you can go and market that. You can sell that. You can take that to Channel 7 and show them like 20,000 people watch up these things. So clearly it's worth showing. You can go to sponsors and do the same thing. So do, do you feel like, I suppose what I'm getting at is, do you feel like you've got a really good base on which to build this NDRC as a whole? Look, to be fair, we had good crowds when it was a top fuel series. I mean, the, mm. nearly everywhere we went was was a packed house, you know. So we knew that the fan base was there. We understood that if you put on the right show, marketed it correctly, people would turn up. So uh, it's not like the it was absolutely incredible that we had a packed house for the bend. Not a shock, but it but it wasn't a shock, or an, and it wasn't affirmation for what we we've done. It really had nothing to do with the NDRC. Um, it, that that was South Australia. You're going drag racing again, and here's some big, long, skinny cars that throw flames. Right? They were coming. The plan for us moving forward is to put into place the level of quality of television, um, show for the fans, and service to the racer group. That's that's the key for me. And I think we did a pretty good job of looking after a, a core group at the pointy end of town in our previous involvement. It's now a matter of trying to get process and, and permeate through the rest of the racer group. And, um, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of work to do on that. I think we have certainly brought some things to it. And it's kind of refreshing in a way with Andy Lopez, who has zero background in drag racing and therefore doesn't care about past grievances or any of the politics and makes calls and decisions purely based on event and, and, and logic. Um, I think combined with, with his, let's just go get it done attitude and, and my history and understanding of drag racing, we have a good base to try to, you know, succeed and do what we're promising to do. It is. We've established that the N stands for national. Uh, yes, National Drag Racing Championship. Yep, correct. So talk to us about the national component of it. We're going to every state? Uh, not every single one. We did go to Darwin in our previous um, Top Fuel Championship. We're, we're 11 rounds, uh, essentially the four key drag racing championships. So this is the, the main group one um, categories. There is a sportsman championship that goes further, but we, we're, we're Perth, the Bend, um, Sydney Dragway and Willowbank. The Sportsman Championship runs in your regional tracks um, in um, Heathcote. We have Springmount in Queensland, Palmyra. Um, there's another one in South Australia, uh, near the border of South Australia that I'm going to get smashed up for forgetting. Um, so regionally, the Sportsman Championship races there, but the, the main uh, NDRC Championship, which is either headlined by Top Fuel um, or Nitro Funny Car, is uh, at the four major tracks at the moment. Naturally, we're dying for a, a venue in Victoria because mm. if you thought the crowd at the bend was big, you yeah, wait yeah. till we can bring um, flamethrowing cars or any sort of championship drag racing to a Victorian um, audience. It'll be huge. Well, we know the Calder has been worked on as a motor racing circuit again. Calder was the home of drag racing in Melbourne for a long time. Has there been any discussion with the Janes about the possibility of redoing that? Uh, we're talking to Pete Pesolides from Calder Weekly about the progress of that venue. We we actually had it on our first calendar for Australian Top Fuel Championship. It was meant to be the second round and 
Unfortunately, it needs a fair bit of work before we can take those cars there for a number yeah. of reasons. But yes, there's there's an ongoing discussions with Excellent. the management of that venue to try to get down there. Let's talk about the racing on the weekend. And after Saturday, uh, which was a challenging weather day, as you mentioned, Sunday was an extraordinary day, especially for the top fuel cars, which were the headline. And, and it will probably go down as one of the quicker days in Australian drag racing history in terms of the number of high three-second passes set. The, the level of those teams was extraordinary on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, well, there was 13 passes in the threes. Unreal. Five of them were side-by-side. Side. Six passes over 500 kilometres an hour. It was probably the best, most consistent race day of fuel cars I've seen ever. And then, of course, it was topped off in um, round two with Wayne Newby going 3.76, 3.76, which yep. is two hundreds off the national record, which Pete Zibris holds from Willowbank. Uh, I mean, that's incredibly quick. 325 miles per hour was the top speed. In a thousand um, feet. <laughs> mate, like that's 530 kilometres an hour. You know, these, yeah. these things, and they just came out. They weren't late. There was no oil downs. There was no stoppages. And incredible performances on a brand new track with no data, which is actually credit to the venue. That's how mm. good the surface is that these teams with zero data. I mean, Justin Simpson, the track prep guy, did a ridiculously good job, but you also had to have the surface to be able to prep it, right? And it was that good that these guys came out and put on probably the greatest display of top fuel elimination racing, well, racing we've ever seen. Yeah, and, and you mentioned elimination. That's probably one of the other hallmarks of what you guys have done is you've got away from the elimination format. So you rock up and you know that you're going to see all, at this point, six cars. It could be eight. It could be 10 in the future. You're going to see them all run at least three or four times throughout the day, which which is what you said about looking after your fans. Yeah, it's fantastic for the fans. I mean, we didn't invent it. It had been happening for a lot of years in a lot of other places. You know, we, we've certainly borrowed it off other other um, championship drag racing that have done it before. But it's a no-brainer from a fan perspective. There is no, you know, I mean, traditionally it was like tennis. Eight became four, became two. Mm. And every single time you got further into, you know, the racing program, the fans were seeing less and less. So our format is an all-run format. All cars race, they come back. That's the same across all the group one categories. So top door slam and top alcohol, you name it, they all run it that way. Um, and what it means is the fans get the absolute maximum possible show to see the cars as many times as they can. Um, and then we award points for win and lose, elapsed time, and then they get bonuses. The highest two cars, which are essentially the quickest cars across the weekend, end up in the A final and race off for the big trophies. So... Um, We've changed our point system a little bit this this year to kind of accommodate um, all the categories, and there's some still some tweaking to be done with it. It's not perfect, but um, the format is the best possible show for the fans, without a doubt. Was the uh, street sweeper busy on Saturday and Sunday, just getting a bit of that dust and dirt off the uh, off the track? It wasn't too bad Sunday, to be to be fair. Saturday was such a challenging day, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> It, drag racing obviously can't run in in the rain, right? So it rains, obviously, it's the, the, the high horsepower. You can't put a wet tyre on them. But I've never really been able to deal with a dust-off before. I've had rain outs. I've had wind. Um, we had a combination of rain, wind, and dust. It was absolutely terrible conditions. I mean, they were gusting to 60 kilometres an hour. I shot 
I was shooting qualifying on a camera for highlights packages and I could not hold the camera straight at the bottom end. Um, So yeah, Saturday was a real challenge and it unfortunately led to the the cancellation of racing for the day. But Sunday was really good. I mean, we just had a jam-packed schedule. We kept running the cars down the track. Mother Nature was kinder to us, still gusting, but nowhere near as bad and we got the racing done. There's history there though, because the very first ever circuit race at the bend <laughs> on the road course was the Shannon's Nationals round. Yeah, Shebex and I were both there. And the Saturday was one of the most deplorable days of weather and wind and dust at a racetrack that's ever existed. GT, so, GT3 racing in, they might've been in the middle of Saudi it Arabia. Sahara, it wouldn't have yeah. mattered. It was just, it, it and was, that was the, the first ever circuit race there as well. So there's a little bit of um, historical precedence there that it should happen at the yeah. same time on the, on the drag strip. That's, that's extraordinary. The, the the sad bit was I got there on the Thursday and it went 30 degrees, 31 yeah. degrees, and then woke up Saturday and it was 19 degrees and add the wind. I mean, the, the track was so, so cool. And of course, when the track gets freezing cold, it's hard to hold the horsepower. So we were just up against it. There was a couple of really good runs. I mean, the door slammer guys did a fantastic job when they came out, but yeah, uh, mother nature got us on the Saturday, but we were, very lucky to to have a fantastic day of racing on the Sunday. Yeah, you, you got it back for sure. Um, one of the endearing memories of this round for me will be the social media clip posted of Sam Shahin and the Premier, Pete, who is still public hero number one in South Australia yeah. at the moment. I've never known a Polly to have such endearing love that he's managed to engineer. Uh, and the reaction video of them with that first launch of the, the fuel cars on Sunday and it, and it proved to me that one of the great strengths of what Top Fuel in particular, but drag racing overall has, is that no matter how many times you see those cars, it still elicits that same response, doesn't it? And I'm sure that you, after many, many years, and I was the same when I saw them in Darwin earlier this year, you still get that childlike grin and the shock and awe of these things doing that, which seems completely impossible. Just the stats alone, right? So let's let's talk about the sensation in a bit. But if you read out the stats, it's sort of hard to understand. So zero to 160 kilometers an hour in 0.8 of a second, they'll go to half track, which is 200 meters when they're when they're hooking. They'll do it in 2.8 seconds at 300 mile an hour, as was just been set in America, right? So mm. you know, 450, 460 kilometers an hour in 200 meters. That's incredible. But then you add to that. 140 decibels they register four on the richter scale on the step of the (laughs) throttle i have seen probably thousands of top fuel passes over my years and every single time it still does the same thing puts a massive grin on my face and it never gets tired there's there's two approaches to top fuel you either love it right and you go oh my god that's one of the most amazing things i've ever seen or you hate it and go that was so assaulting to my yeah. senses. I don't want it again, but you never go, Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, yeah. you're, you're like, it's absolutely something you cannot describe. Mm. And I was, uh, we, I had a brand new cameraman on the weekend, a guy called Rob, excellent cameraman, fantastic guy. And I was trying to brief him on what to expect when he was shooting the cars on the start line. And I just said to him, look, my tip is when I film them and I'm standing on the start line, I've got one eye in the viewfinder and I'm looking at the Christmas tree light staging. And I said, as soon as the car goes into stage, I brace myself and I grip my teeth. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, 
You'll find out. You'll get it. Uh, yeah. The, the, Shebex, the stat I love the most that I think Wade Orange dropped it at one point was they went to half track. And you mentioned it there, uh, Nath. One of the runs, they got to half track in three seconds and the full run was 3.8 seconds. Wow. So that last half of track is in eight tenths. It's bonkers stuff. Insane. The amazing thing about this sport though, Nath, is that 40, 50 years ago, they were saying we need someone to get under seven seconds. Then we need them to get under six. Five, four, and now they're where they're at, low three. Can they get any faster? Oh, well, look, I don't think we're going to ever see a two, obviously, but uh, I mean. But never say never. (laughs) Wow. I mean, weren't they saying in the late 60s that a human body couldn't withstand more than 200 mile an hour and a quarter mile? It wouldn't be able to do it. And and now that, you know, they're, they're doing in America over the thousand foot. This is the other thing to remember. They've brought it back. Um, from 320 feet or 100 meters shorter in for top fuel just because of the sheer forces, um, and and they're doing three nearly 340 miles per hour, right? So it's absolutely incredible. Look, I just think it's amazing that an old school, what is essentially an old school technology engine, it's a push rod, um, single cam V8 engine that's yeah. only 500 cubic inches. It sounds big. But it's it's um, not that much bigger than say HSV Club Sport, which is I think I think the six point two liter ones are four twenty seven cubes or something like yeah. that. This is yeah. so you've got a Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had one. We don't talk about that anymore. No, we don't. <laughs> uh, and, um, but you put a big blower on them, and the real key here is nitromethane, and they make eleven thousand horsepower mm-hmm. right out of an old school piece of you know engineering te- um, technology. The the, but the science behind them, I mean, I've dumbed it down a little bit. The science behind it with the fuel systems, the ignition systems, the clutch systems, the chassis designs, the downforce from the rear wing. I mean, they make four and a half thousand pounds of downforce. I'm yeah. Imperial. You can tell I'm a drag racer. Yeah, I'm yeah, it's speak American. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speak American. But, um, you know, they're, they're, it's an absolutely amazing sport. And that's just one category. That's just top mm-hmm. fuel. Then there's door slammer, alcohol, pro stock. There's always, there's a, there's a mad scientist that's gone, I like this engine and this type of car, and I'm going to try to get it the quickest over this distance I can. That's drag racing. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with old Cletus McFarlane on YouTube, and he's just put his stick shift Corvette, which isn't a Corvette anymore, the bodyless no. car into the sixes for the first time, and that was pretty cool to watch. Um, Last one for me. Five years from now, where, where is this? In in your ideal vision, where, where is the NDRC overall in, in five years, if, if everything goes the way you want it to go? I think it's a, um, a steroid version of where it is now. So if you look at it now, we've got Unity, we've got um, a solid television foundation with 7 Plus as our exclusive partner. We streamed live on NHRA TV, uh, which was fantastic for the sport. Um and we've got some wonderful commercial partners. Five years down the track, I want to see an expanded version of that. Mm. Proper live TV with a real decent rights um, holder that's putting money to the sport. Um, uh, funds that flow back into the racer group to allow them to, to race professionally and be at a level where it's not just a hobby where they can actually um, really generate some income from it. The NDRC with major corporate backing and, you know, right at the moment, this is a passion project for me. You know, I, I do other lots of other things, as you know, Crowley. This is done in my spare time for love, and I, I can continue to do that. But it'd be great where 
you know, Andy Lopez, who's basically back to this thing, it's his funding, it can get the commercial backing to have a, a bigger staff on it and really deliver, to, for want of a better term, the supercar style of, of event coverage and broadcast that, that, you know, I think it's really worthy of. So five years from now, that's the sort of place I'd like to see it. Cool. USAV Australia, all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, that's that's another side project. We, my dad used to be a drag racing promoter. He calls those things Zuax. Um, <laughs> I think there's championship drag racing, which is um, you know racing for a points in a championship at the end in a set calendar. But yes, we Andy and I have already got some very large projects in the back of our mind for some international drag racing products, some USA versus Australia stuff, and some. Um, I won't let the cat out of the bag, but we've got some other ideas that are coming. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Stuff. That's such a KP phrase as well. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's Zuak. Well done, mate. It was very cool to see. I know it will build from here with you and Andy and the team behind it. So awesome job. Amazing stuff. And what a way to start with a whole bunch of 3.8 second passes as well. It was incredible. Yeah, it was awesome, mate. And, and it's a really big thank you to to the racer group, um, Andy, Clarkey, um, Matt Pickett, all the guys on the on the team, Nick, that have worked so hard to get this here. Um, like I said at the start, really proud of what we've achieved in a short period of time. Understand there's a huge amount of work to do and a lot more improvement, but um, it was a very, very good feeling for me to see Drag Racing Unite at a brand new venue with a brand new championship and hopefully a brand new attitude and way forward. So um, onwards and upwards. Johnny, Nathan, with you all the best uh, in the future with the N NDRC. Thank you very much. I had it there and I lost it. Nathan Prendergast joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right. We welcome onto the program Mark Walker, as we always do at this point of the the show. G'day, Mark. Tony Chebecki, Richard Crowell. Gold Coast. It's back. It's back, baby. Bring it it's, on! Away at all. Three it's or four good. days. Last year was uh, outstanding. Hey, I'm just I'm going to burn a hot early because we tend to have been doing that. Our discipline for keeping to the hots and knots is pretty poor of late. Um, so on the weekend, there's a whole bunch of professional sport on at the moment, right? So cricket season's ramping up. So the WBBL is happening. A League soccer is back. So their first round of national yep. soccer. The two largest sporting attendances in Australia last weekend, 35,000 people at Phillip Island on Saturday for the Australian Motorcycle Grand Prix, 20,500 people at the Bend for drag racing on Saturday night. How good is that? That is a good sign for our sport. Just want to get around that. So I've toasted one of my hots nice and early, but just follows on nicely from our chat with Nath, who is as honest and open as always. Uh, with a really good chat about what was going on on the weekend. So I think that's a that's a real positive. Good mm. stuff. That's really going to upset a lot of soccer fans who didn't go to the soccer. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. And so uh, Cooper's Stadium, in which is literally downtown Adelaide, uh, I think they got 10,000 for the Reds' first home game. It's amazing that I even know that they're called that, but, you know, Team SA. Um and then that was what Friday night, I think. And then mm-hmm. everyone bitches and moans that the bend is too far, and oh, no one's going to wants to go out there and rah rah rah. And they got twenty thousand five hundred people on Saturday for drag racing. So yeah, interesting. A, there was a tell over two thousand people at Heartland Raceway in Moama. Nice speedway. Nice. 
Good. Yeah. How good are country speedways, by the way? We'll get into that a little bit later on. Oh, sure. he's got yeah. some hots this week. Good. Hots and knots. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, knots let's have a quick chat about the Gold Coast. It is uh, a race in two now. Uh, confirmed by points, effectively, that uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and Brody Kostecki are going to juke this one out in the final two races. And thank God, because we've been missing this for a while. Yeah, it, it is. Um, yet there's also some peril in that as well, Shebeck's going into this round with only two contenders, really, because it could very easily become one after Saturday. Yeah. If you have a true. zero score. And and this was the story of Bathurst with with the dramas for uh, for car nine um, and also more, more specifically the dramas for 88, that it's basically, you know, in realistic terms, ruled them out of championship calculation. So... Let's say that SVG goes and canoes the thing on Saturday, which seems unlikely. Um, then it's probably Brody's to lose from that point on because he'll waltz away with a massive lead. And and that's part of the peril of this end of the championship we've been talking about with Bathurst or Sandown 300 points, Bathurst 300 points for single races, and then 150 points a race for the two races at Surfers and the two races at Adelaide. It's a lot of points to win, absolutely, but there's a lot of points to lose if you have a DNF. So, yeah, it, there's certainly some trepidation, but you're right. It's a great fight, and um, let's see how Brody and Erebus step up because it's pretty having, exciting. Having said that, though, I'd rather go into the final round with the championship decided than having it decided three rounds earlier. Oh, yeah, but you really want to go down to the final round. Oh, yeah, the 100%. Like, but if how... it was to happen the way you, you said it might happen, and, and, that, and, and that's very possible, at least we got to the final round, which, oh, is, look, which I mean, isn't bad. It, it would take a nuclear disaster for Shane to not win it, to, to lose it or for Brody to win it this weekend. Yeah. But So it's unlikely, but it could make Adelaide a very easy proposition for one of the two to claim it simply by finishing on Saturday or whatever it might be. So, yeah, while there's excitement, there's also a bit of trepidation that there's only really two of them left because we've eliminated two of the key contenders um, at Bathurst, it, realistically at least. But surfers, you know, Brody and Shane could box on at the beach chicane at some point, KO themselves Saturday, and Will Brown could win both races. He'll be leading going into Adelaide. So who knows? That'd be exciting. Your thoughts, well, Mike? You, well, you said that uh, Shane might not wad it up into a canoe. He's done more wadding into canoes than anyone else this year. Yeah, yeah. true. And yet he's still second in the championship. <laughs> but it, it was that consistency. Um, yeah, look at Brody's season. He absolutely battled on the Saturday up there in Townsville. Got a second on... Sunday, so a bit of street circuit form there, I guess. Uh, Newcastle, he was third and sixth. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, he's been on a hot streak since the bend, of course. He cleaned up there and got second in both the Enduros. So yeah, that Erebus team, they just don't give up, do they? Mm, you know, no. the expectation was, well, when's the wheels going to fall off the wagon? And they sort of had a bit of a wobble there around Hidden Valley and Townsville. But uh, throughout the whole deal, he's kept on keeping on. How different would the world be if SVG didn't get his disqualification there in Newcastle? He'd be leading mm -hmm. the show. So, yeah, that was a, turns out that was a pretty critical moment in the whole year, and it was on day one. <laughs> Good times. Uh, Brody knows what he's going to expect, doesn't he? I mean, if, S if SVG is right behind him, he knows he's getting a contest of touching and pushing oh, yeah. and bumping yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It's but but it, with exactly the same in reverse. So, yeah, he's true. fine with that. It's I, I'm... I'm looking forward. The, the two of them, the prospect of the two of them fighting for the championship is quite appealing because they're both really hard races and that's what we want. They want, they will definitely have absolutely 
zero Fs to give if it comes down to the final lap of Adelaide. One of them's going to end up in the fence. Could be both of them. So that's great. Like, that's what we need. We need that. It's been such a rubbish year in so many areas. There's been so many great storylines. There's been lots of different winners. There's been some really cool podium stories, some great qualifying. But in many respects, the year has been really marred by the whole parody drama that's been ongoing. So the the championship needs a really good showdown. And and I don't know if it deserves it, but I think it would make this challenging year so much better if we get to Sunday in Adelaide with yep. those two boxing on. And that would be such a great result for for the sport and give everyone a bit of pep in their step um, going into 24. Well, you're really dipping into my knots there, Richard. Just uh, pump the brakes a bit there. Oh. On that, but uh, what, what element? I said a lot. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll keep going. Okay. okay. Um, surface paradise. I, th- I think that's a bit of the wild card in the mix there. I Remember, there's still a lot of question marks about this car. We saw mm. it at the end of Bathurst that these long, hard races, they're still breaking these cars, and those guys were all nursing their hunks of junk to the finish line. And surface is a completely different beast with all those ripple strips, and you've got to use them. You can't just dolly around and not use the curbs. If you've got wonky steering. It's certainly going to be exacerbated by all those ripple strips. You know, Bathurst is clearly the best track in Australia, but the Gold Coast is my favourite by an absolute margin. I love that place. The access to the cars, you don't get any closer to the cars going so fast, flying through the air, all the ridiculous things that happen in Service Paradise. As a spectator, it is unbeatable. You can't go any better than that place. The... The two chicanes are just brilliant, and um, I'm going to miss that aspect of it this weekend. Should be uh, should be fun to watch. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, great to see we've got a calendar to talk about. <laughs> Do we? No. Are, are you talking about um, Carrera Cup North America, or <laughs> yeah, what, what are you talking about there? Surely this weekend. Surely. Uh, yeah, you'd like to think now that with the Newcastle thing decided, they'll. Um, They'll roll it out this weekend. They'll they'll wait to to drop it this weekend. So, but what do we know? You'd like no, to think exactly so. Exactly right. A lot the of people. Newcastle... There's a lot of people getting fairly anxious about it. I can tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine the Newcastle thing dropped. Of course, after our last podcast, uh, oh, no surprises. Yeah, of course it did. That's just how we roll, isn't it? That's just exactly but, um, right. I think we pretty much said that was what was going to happen, didn't we? Yeah, I think we were 100%. reasonably reasonably on the money. Though you didn't need to be a rocket scientist to make that up. Uh, yeah, so it seems now that Bathurst will be the opener, but um, yeah, curious, nothing's popped yet, but there'll be deals that need to be done with governments and key stakeholders and things like that to uh, to get things over the line. So you're, you're yeah, dipping into his knots again, again, Richard. You're dipping into his knots again. No, sorry, no, but sorry. did you did you hear the interview with the mayor of Newcastle? Uh, on the yeah, radio, she was a bit, yeah. It was a bit of a roller coaster yeah. right there. Yeah. We love supercars, but geez, they bump in and bump out so long. Oh, man. Yeah. It was just all over the shop. Yeah. Focus on trying to pin your blame on one person yeah. or one thing. Just... We really want to work with the with the with the New South Wales government on this, but we've got a local member who just hates a thing. It just made no sense. It was no. like oh please. No. Local politics are the worst. I, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm dipping into my knots now. <laughs> Local politics are the worst. So absolute not. Every city needs a council like the Bathurst Regional Council who just take it for given that there's going to be car racing in their city and make it work for them. Yeah. Uh, speaking of politics, seem to be pretty rife still in Formula One. Some, uh, oh, some yeah. interesting things over the weekend. In what respect? Name oh. one. 
Well, there's so many. Yeah, it's exactly. Well, let's start off with the disqualification of two of the uh, key drivers. Well, there was a really interesting series of photos posted, Chebex, and one of them was of the Ferrari, which was bottoming out and scraping and sparks coming out. And this is all at the same corner. It was a rearward shot. And then the other one was of the Merc, which was bottoming out and scraping and sparks coming off the skid blocks. And then the other one was of Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. And there was an inch of ground clearance beneath the plank and the road at the same corner on the same hot lap. And the thing wasn't bottoming out and sparking. So that car's so good, they can run the thing in the air and not wear the plank out while the others have got to run them so close to the ground to get the ground effects to work that uh, they bottom out and they wear the plank down. Can't remember the last time someone was disqualified for a plank violation. That's the stuff of the 90s. That used to happen to like the rubbish teams at the back of the grid. They'd wear their plank out, which was remarkable because who would have thought they'd be going that fast in the first place? But it's, um, yeah, there you go. Disqualified. Orlando finishes P2, another second place. I remember back to my photography days at the Australian Grand Prix at the start of the year. Guess which two cars were sparking? Oh, yeah. Go on. Yeah, the Ferraris and the Mercedes. What's been going on all year? Maybe they've uh, only just got the measuring stick out for uh, Austin, but uh, probably not the greatest Grand Prix of all time, if we're completely honest with ourselves. Getting up nice and early to watch Team Australia finish uh, DNF. Mm. Yeah, last. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't great for our charges out there. No, it, it wasn't, and it wasn't a great race overall. It, it had the promise of being decent strategy-wise, but it never really paid off, and, yeah, ultimately, uh, old Maxi won the race. And he just does it easy. Like, it, there was yeah, no was panic. Crazy. It was just pick him off and well, get aside, the job done. Aside from his little whinging on the radio about the brakes, but you got to wonder how much of that was for the show, really, because um, he never really looked troubled in the well, end. I, I mean, I did want to see him jump out of the car and punch his engineer. I mean, that would have been nice. <laughs> I tell you what, though, it would have been so endemic of this season had he been caught by Lewis and passed by Lewis and Lewis goes to win the race disqualified. and then gets disqualified, disqualified and Max wins. Wouldn't that have just been the absolute downer that everybody, nobody wanted? <laughs> and Max's engineer comes out with a black eye. Well, he would and have, it wasn't warranted. He would have anyway, but... Yeah. Um, Hey, yeah, uh, have these cars gone past? Uh, and there's talk about, you know, the drivers were pretty disappointed with uh, Circuit of the Americas and that, you know, maybe it isn't the sort of track that is good for Formula One anymore. But I, I, I see there's been an integral part of the fact that we've got American owners and I wouldn't have thought that they would want to get rid of this oh, track. There are 450,000 people there. They, no, they're just complaining because the place is bumpy. But like straight seconds of bumpy deal with it have they did they watch the indycar race at detroit this year seriously they've they've got it easy um yeah that's just racing car drivers whinging about racing car things and trying to get um a new track surface down there's no doubt the event is successful i had colleagues and friends that were there um racing in Crow cup north america and and they loved it they thought it was an incredible show um they do it very very well there and the fact that even now the dts bubble i mean it hasn't burst but it's certainly not as big as it was two years ago, the crowds are still going up in the mm. right direction, um, which is really interesting. And there was a mammoth crowd there on Sunday and yeah, 460,000 people over the, the three days, which was incredible. Well, the, the promoters noted at the time that uh, they got the sprint on Saturday for the first time and it didn't did actually nothing. Mm. did nothing for the crowd on Saturday, which, uh, mm. okay, cool. Why bother? Yeah. Yeah, yep. speaking of getting the uh, the sprint on a Saturday, they didn't get that at Phillip Island. Fortunately, they got a MotoGP race. And if they hadn't have done it there, they no way they were racing on Sunday. 
Well, let, let's not talk too much about that because we'll delve well into my hots, hots there. Not, okay. But um, let, let's the Grand Prix itself was an extraordinary race. It mm. was super, super show, uh, and, and it, it probably exposed F one for for what it is at the moment. But um, the way that race built and built, and how it exploded on the final lap, and and then the best thing about it was Shebex was that it it. There was. It wasn't just a great race. It was the storylines around it were incredible as well. Yeah. So aside from the fact that Johan Zarco had been trying to win a Grand Prix for since 2017 and hadn't got there, um, and finally won with a last lap pass. So the stat I love the most: there were 324 corners in the Australian Motorcycle Grand Prix this year. So 12 corners, Philip Island, yeah. 27 laps. Yeah. Um, you do the maths. He led eight. In total, in the whole race, he led eight. That was his total time in front of that race from turn four to the finish, which was wild. Um, so that was incredible. Um, Peko Bagnaya uh, was staring down the barrel at one point of finishing fourth or fifth. Um, his world championship lead, which was 19 points, was going to be held to four or five going into the final four races. Again, last lap special. Jorge Martins out of tyres. Um, Peko comes through and finishes second. Now leads it by 30-something. So that's huge. Um, and then Fabio Giantonio, which is a great name for a, a, a motorcycle rider, the young Italian driver, never been on the podium, scores his first podium. And it came at the right time because he's out of a ride next year because Mark Marquez has stolen his seat. So they're just the storylines around it and the fact you had eight bikes nose to tail at the end of that race was remarkable and we'll come to the rest of that weekend in the hots and knots in just a second now let's face it everyone needs insurance so when you need to renew your cover the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at city rural insurance brokers a call city rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience need insurance for your business they'll sort it are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments they're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on the racetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. And now back to the podcast. Well, let's get straight into it because there's no denying that the, anything else that we're going to talk about is going to be in hot. No, you're not. right. So, so let's seg, get into it. I'll seg straight on because hot super Uber burning melting pot of hotness, uh, Dorna who promote the MotoGP world championship to make the call yeah. to bring the GP to Saturday. That was, it turned out to be an inspired, inspired decision. And there's a side hot here to the Bureau of Meteorology. Well done, you guys. Well, well can I, done. Can I, can I give you the backstory to what happened here? Well, because just, I found it out today. 
I, I can please. I so I was talking light. to my co-commentator for this weekend's Superbikes down at Phillip Island, Mark Brax. Yep. And he was called into the Dorner office and was asked what he's thought of the weather that was coming in yep. over the weekend, due, basically due to the fact that he lives at Phillip Island and has been there all his life. And it was through his information yep. that Dorner made a decision based on what they knew and what he had given them that yeah. Sunday was going to be the worst day ever at Phillip Island in the history of Phillip Island. Well, it was, it looked like it was right up there. Um, but, but to be fair, the weather forecasts were terrible. So the Bureau just good on those guys because they get it wrong so often and yet they absolutely nailed it. But what a brave call. Um, and, yeah. and the other thing that I love about making that, that call was that they made it early enough on Friday to give people time to reshuffle their plans and to get either get down to the island or or get a refund, which they offered up, which the promoter offered up, which was great. Um, interesting start to new career, the new CEO of the AGPC. But anyway, um, I just thought that was an incredible decision because it just ticked all the boxes. And, and they're quite smart in how they run their weekends too because there's a sprint race at every MotoGP round. So the live TV... All the, the resources around having a race on Saturday afternoon are there. So to, all they basically did was add another 10 laps to the sprint and away they go. Um, yeah. So broadcasters got their share. There were 35,000 people there. Like the crowd was awesome. Um, and ultimately Sunday turned out terrible and they cancelled it halfway through the Moto2 race. Brilliant call. Like inspired stuff. Yeah. And and I was, Shebex working on the ABC on the weekend doing reports for ABC Grandstand and talking to Corbin Middlemass. He does a lot with cricket and he was blown away by the heads upness of the call. And he, he, his comment, number one comment was, can you imagine if cricket actually made that decision around weather? Cause how often do cricket fumble rain delays Correct. and cancellations and things like that? When had they made a call early and moved a game earlier or later or whatever, they could have got it in. So, um, well done, Donna. That is a huge, huge hot. Um, the Shaheen family have to have a hot for what they've delivered South Australia motorsport and 35,000 people turned up to drag racing on the weekend. That, that is incredible. Just amazing. So well done. Um, just really, really special for the sport moving forward to have that kind of facility and, and well done to the people of South Australia for supporting it. Uh, and I'm going to give a hot as well. I had a NASCAR hot, but I figure Mark's going to roll it out. So I'll let Mark roll that out. Um, I am going to give a hot to no tie bundles this weekend on the GC. I think that's a good call. I like it. Um, the curb strike centers are usually reasonably rubbish. So that'll cause some drama, but uh, working in Porcelain Chebex last mm. year, we went through a significant, significant number of uh, radiators on Porsche GT3 cup cars, which aren't in, in, inexpensive. Um, and I very much like to not have that this year. So the lack of curbs will do that. So I know tire bundles is a decent, decent life choice where in a world where the technology exists to police curb hops better than smacking into a massive tire bundle when you're half a millimeter offline. Um, I like it. Good call. Remember in 2012 when there were no tire bundles and the sensors wigged out? Yes. And the lap record was like 15 <laughs> seconds faster than anything ever. Yes, you'd like to think in the intervening 12 years that the uh, that the technology is slightly more reliable, wouldn't you? But Just. you never know. Yeah. 
Uh, they're my hots for the week. Short and Beautiful. succinct for me. Uh, well, I'll, I'll go quickly uh, because my hot based, uh, I sort of gave an indication before, based around the Heartland Raceway at Moama. I had the opportunity to get away for a golfing weekend with two of my sons. Uh, on the weekend, up to Echuca, Moama, played golf at Rich River. Beautiful course, lovely, all that sort of stuff. We drive in to Echuca and we see a big banner. Speedway, this Saturday night. I said, boys, what else are we going to do? Just sit at the pub and drink? Come on. And one of, my sons had, uh, one of my sons had never been to the Speedway before, oh. and he had the best time. It was fantastic. As I said, over 2,000 people. Got pretty cold, and neither of us had a jumper. So that uh, that wasn't fantastic. But... Uh, I won't get into my knots just yet. Just really good competition, fantastic competition, uh, and a good crowd. Just a really good what, night at the Speedway what was run, you mentioned what was running, last week. What was running, Shabex? Sorry? What was running? Sprint cars uh, They had uh, sprint cars okay. there. So, nice. yeah, they had, I think there was probably about 15 to 20 sprint cars good. there on the night, which was pretty good. Yeah. And they went through all their uh, heats and their qualifiers and all that sort of stuff and, and did all that. And then there was some uh, a lot of sedans. Some uh, junior racing, so they had kids 12, 13 years of age. Nice. In the, uh, they're the best. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're, so they're, they're only going 20 kilometres an hour. They don't seem to be going that fast at all, but boy, oh boy, the competition's hot. And yeah. uh, that was just a, a really good, solid night. So well done to everyone at Heartland Raceway. Nice. All right. Uh, my hots, Mr. Taylor Swift, a.k.a. Travis Kelsey, this week pulled the ultimate boss move by buying into the Alpine Formula One squad. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, it's a bit of a managerial cluster and the drivers, you know, crash into each other every now and then. But uh, now Travis has possession of not only Fernando Alonso's old race team, but also his old Mizzo. So well done to him. <laughs> and uh, dovetailing off that. <laughs> uh, so he's brought the missus and he brought the house yeah. as well. Yeah, good on him. <laughs> In a, in a call, no doubt, made by Tay-Tay, they've signed up Jack Doohan to the, the uh, rookie driver sessions in Mexico mm. and WW. So, uh, Aussie Jack getting his Three gig Three Aussies. Three Aussies on the grid. How good. Not bad. Um, look, have you ever hacked together some Excel spreadsheet code that is probably, you know, third grade primary school spec stuff, but it absolutely rocks your world? Well, last week it happened. I rejigged the formulations on the Race Talks TV guide, and it literally shaves minutes off my week. <laughs> and uh, it turns out the live motorsport times in Australia into five neat time zones. Thank you, Bill Gates, for enabling this hot. Uh, check <laughs> it out every hot. Thursday on the Race Talk. All the listings for all the TV around Australia is right there. Um, hot has to go to the NASCAR at Homestead. Kyle Larson smashed into the pit lane and tenuator, which was rather spectacular. Uh, Denny Hamlin knocked down the fence, and his Joe Gibbs teammate, Martin Trex Jr., blew up. Uh, the win actually went to the third of the... Joe Gibbs cars, uh, Christopher Bell, him and Larson have booked their tickets to Phoenix. Willie Byron, Ryan Blaney currently in on points. Uh, and on the outside looking in, trying to get a gig at uh, Martinsville are Tyler Reddick, Danny Hamlin, Troex Jr. and Chris Busher. So there'll be a fair bit to play out there Monday morning at Martinsville at the paperclip. Larson wins, doesn't he? Surely. You, you just don't know. You don't know. Mm. One race takes it all. It could be anyone. You turn up to Phoenix and you've got a good car, you can do it. Um, similarly on NASCAR things, uh, Hot goes to 23.11 yeah, good. this week. <laughs> this is what yeah. I have. <laughs> yeah. And their sponsor, McDonald's, who at Homestead uh, ran a Hamburglar-themed car for Tyler Reddick and a Grimace car for <laughs> Bubba Wallace. Fantastic. Now, according to McDonald's fandom wiki, which apparently is a thing... <laughs> 
Remus is a large purple rotund being of indeterminate species and is Ronald McDonald's best friend. He is known for being for his slow-witted yet optimistic demeanor. Remus originally debuted with four arms and two legs and loved milkshakes, but his number of arms subsequently reduced by two. Meanwhile, over at the Webster's Dictionary, a grimace is described as a facial expression, usually of disgust, disapproval, or pain, which neatly sums up my thoughts on McDonald's food. <laughs> it's nice. also your general reaction. Most times you come back from photography sessions as well, sometimes. Yeah, having dealt with Yes, very much. Punches. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> for no particular reason, I'm giving Tom Randall a hot this week. Random no, hot there for fair. Tommy. Totally. Uh, Vic State, call the park this week. It's back. Get your backside, trackside, seven fields of racing cars. And if you're not trackside, it's all on Blendline TV from Saturday lunchtime. So that should be good fun. And um, finally, well, you know what? I'm never going to have to go to Newcastle ever again. <laughs> yes. Tick that box. Just keep on driving um, through to Port Macquarie. You know, Port Macquarie is yeah. a lovely place. Mm. Or indeed, just skip New South Wales altogether and just truck on through to your destination. Queensland, Victoria, they're just tops. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Good point. Uh, not That's, Richard. Uh, well, the weather, obviously. Uh, motorsport weather, it, it's not fun. Uh, the, the terrible conditions at the bend. And as we said with Nathan earlier, there is precedent for what happened in the drag racing because exactly the same thing happened at the very first ever circuit race meeting that happened at the bend. And it just never happened since. So, um, yeah, terrible stuff. Uh, and then obviously Phillip Island went full Phillip Island, didn't it? Absolute 100% yeah. full spec Phillip Island on Sunday. Uh, you have cliche weather and then you've got Phillip Island cliche weather and that is just full cliche. Um, do you know what? I'm going to not the F1 sprint race. I don't think it's delivering what it's supposed to deliver. Why have a... 40% version of exactly the same thing that happens a day later. Mm. If you're going to have a sprint race, do something different. Have a reverse grid. Well, either reverse the grid or have an elimination. So every two laps, two cars have to retire and you end up with two cars left. Or, But then you're going to end up with Max Verstappen 10 seconds in front of another car and no one cares. I don't know. I'm not paid enough to fix this stuff, Shebex, but it's... I just, it it's flat. The only thing I like out of the sprint is that A, we're a racing sport and there needs to be more racing and B, it eliminates two useless practice sessions. So I think we all agree Formula 1 qualifying is pretty good. Like yep. it, it's quite exciting. It builds. And this year, even though Max has been dominant, qualifying has been quite open. So you get two qualifying sessions, which is good. And only one practice session, which is good rather than three hours of just boring practice, which no one really cares about. So I like that. But for the love of God, mix it up. Do something different to make the sprint a unique selling point. And the point that Mark raised, I had written down as well, was that the promoter saw zero increasing ticket sales for having a sprint as opposed to a standard day when you would have had a practice session and you would have had qualifying. So I think that really sums it all up. Do something different and something creative and make it cool and um it ultimately it has no bearing really on the world anyway so have fun with it make it a show this sport's got to be a show anyway good call by you good call. not for the sprint my final night this week and i really need to put more effort in like mark does to this but uh, who has the time um 
<laughs> Mark, well, obviously. Well, he doesn't sleep, so he's got plenty of it. Um, morons. 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 It's a few of them around. I, I burnt this knot in our conversation with Nathan earlier. But there was a terrific post on social media on late Saturday night as I couldn't sleep and was trolling through social media. And there was a great photo from the bend. And old mate got in his high horse. And he said, this, this is rubbish. This track is the worst racetrack in Australia. They're never going to get the surface right. It is going to take them a year before they even get good passes in top fuel cars. And 24 hours later, 24 hours later, 13 three-second passes, most of them side-by-side, and a pass that was within a tenth of the fastest pass in Australian drag racing history happened on the Sunday at the Bend. And the, the so satisfying watching social media do its thing and respond to this guy <laughs> going, well, that aged well, didn't it? It is proof positive, folks, that keep your mouth shut until you are 100% sure of the facts. Because it turns out the Ben drag strip, bloody fast. So uh, well done to social media who jumped on this character and uh, told him firmly where to go and put his top fuel cars. So I uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. That was excellent. But not Beautiful to that man. Uh, so my knot is also from my hot uh, Heartland Raceway. If you're going to have 2,000 people at a venue and you're only going to have one canteen, you've got a problem. Mm. We had a queue of 100 people, an hour long, to get food Uh. from 5.30 in the afternoon through to 9 o'clock at night. That queue did not dissipate. People were moving, but people were adding on to the end every time. So to wait an hour for a corn dog and a couple of dim sims, and some chips and gravy, which were very nice. Actually, I'll give it to them. Uh, by the time I got my food at 9 o'clock, they'd run out of half of the stuff that they were cooking anyway. So, yeah, that's probably the only thing. Just know your market. i tell you what, though, just quickly delving back into the hots, $7 alcoholic cans. Oh, really? That's cheap. Do you, do you remember, Mark, that time we went to uh, Sydney Speedway, the old Parramatta, and walked up to the bar that was up on the hill there at Term 1, and we're like, oh, I'll have a, have a Jack and Coke. And they're like, yeah, that'll be four bucks. It's like, well, I'll take four. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> I, I also remember that time at Avalon when they ran out of food at four o'clock in the well, afternoon. So I think it's still okay to eat anything. Yeah. Out. Mm. That's it. All right, here we go. Mark's right, nuts. Bring it home. Drappy, this is a big ride here. <laughs> Look, has, hasn't 2023 been a proper disaster for supercars? You know, outside of the new car teething problems, the parts failures, the Mustang fires, the racing not really being that great, parity being thoroughly stuffed, losing a crown jewel in Newcastle, the class next year being relegated to the back lots of the Australian Grand Prix. There was the he said, she said, double disqualification of the AAA cars in Newcastle, the silencing of SVG and ultimately making him leave the category and the category losing its biggest talent and its biggest star. I'm a glass half full sort of guy, but genuinely the supercars bucket is absolutely pissing fluid out every orifice at the moment. It's not going well. Is anyone going to be held accountable to this? What's the solution? I hope they figure it out for next year because we cannot have another 2023 ever again. Pretty cool. Right. Uh, Has anyone had a look at the schedule for the F1 race in Las Vegas? Because mm. for us Aussies, it's literal prime time. 5 p.m. Sunday, 19th of November. The race ending around 7 p.m. Great. Super hot. 
How good is that? It's never been better. Like we don't get Australian Grand Prix in that good a time. Thank you very much. But have you looked at what this is elsewhere? Locally, the race starts at 10 p.m., finishes at midnight. On the East Coast USA, i.e. where most Americans live, the race runs from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. And in continental continental Europe, it's 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Sunday morning, which isn't prime time, but you'll get your F1 fans tuning in. It's respectable for Europe. It's respectable, but you're not... For an overseas race. Mm. You're not going to get casual fans tuning in at 7 a.m. Look, practice two and qualifying both end at 1 a.m. local time. Now, look, I'm clearly not smart enough to run the F1 scheduling department, but I can't see what crowd they're catering here to. You know, I understand midnight is the middle of the day in Las Vegas, but I don't get this whole push into the great untapped USA market when they're simply seeking out insomniacs who will probably be cured by another 25-second Max Verstappen win. Um, And you're right, and it's not as if it's summer, so it's not going to be 45 degrees in the middle of Nevada. I don't get it. And further to all this, the Las Vegas Grand Prix has zero support races. Nothing. Mm. Nada. Nothing. Why would you bother going? And here's a fun fact for you. When the last time F1 raced in Vegas, 1982, the undercard featured Can-Am, which was the dying days of Can-Am, but still Can-Am, and Formula One motorcycles. I would pay cash money to see Formula One motorcycles on a temporary street circuit. Well, in the Caesars Palace car park. Yes. (laughs) That'd be horrendous. I don't think you can see that on a Saturday night in Las Vegas anyway, can't you? Oh, possibly. <laughs> they could have a limo race, couldn't they? Couldn't they just oh, bunch up a whole lot of limos? Jeez. Um, apparently, the room rates in Las Vegas have absolutely plummeted, which is um, hot, except if you were somebody who got price gouged earlier. It's mm. probably a hard knot for you. Uh, further, if I'm not, Daniel Ricciardo was spelt wrong in his Austin Garage sign, so that was, <laughs> yeah. that was a fail. The booze at the podium, it's kind of... Sad to know that there are people like that out there that are like our friends in Australia who like to boo at podiums. Um, Charles Leclerc, he's a knot. Uh, he has now turned pole position into a did not finish, a did not start, and a disqualified. So he's collected the set there. Uh, Aston Martin, they were out in Q1. That was a thorough fail. George Russell, he's been absolutely smoked by Lewis Hamilton this year. Six podiums to one third in the points versus eighth. Uh, pretty unfortunate year there for George. Also, track limits. How about we just bring the grass back over the arse end of the ripple strip? So mm. at least put the Albert Park spec AstroTurf in there and have this stuff self-police itself again. Every single bloody week, it's an issue. It's a constant negative on the sport. It's rubbish. Fix it. It's simple to fix it. Fix it. Yep. Please. Yep. Uh, remember the $1 million non-championship IndyCar race at the Thermal Club next year? Yes. Well, good news. Gonna buy some tickets? Good news. Yep. You can be trackside to experience the thrills for as little as $2,000 for a general admission Mm. ticket, of which they're selling $5,000. Yep. Thus raising the prize money by doing absolutely nothing outside of price gouging. So, Mm. uh, smart move. Well played. Good one, IndyCar. Nice. You'll... Surely find those 5,000 suckers who will make the two and a half hour drive into the desert to watch a non-championship IndyCar race. So, will. Uh, that's, uh, that's great. Um, look, I ventured out to Caulfield on the weekend for the Caulfield Cup. And it's the first time I've been to Caulfield in 13 years and quite frankly, a bit eye-opening. Uh, the custodians there at Caulfield are the Melbourne Racing Club, who also own Sandown. And the club is the people who are currently assessing what to do with Sandown. It's a club-owned asset. Um and they're trying to figure out how they're going to monetize it, whether they sell off bits of it or they sell the whole farm uh, to bring the least facility at Caulfield up to date. And I've got to say, 
Caulfield, it feels absolutely just as tired as Sandown and it desperately needs a birthday. They had 25,000 punters there and they were standing in a bit of a garbage dump. So it's especially noticeable when Flemington across town is absolutely world-class and you come across to Caulfield and it just feels old and sad mm. and it's really needs a big birthday. Well, so. the, the big glass enclosure at Caulfield, which is obviously a dining facility and members facility. Like that was pretty state of the art when it came out. In 1995. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that long ago, 1995. Yeah. That's when they did the big oh, renovation there. 30 and years ago, nearly. We, we were sitting up there and the glass is 30 years old and it's yeah. just, bit opaque and you can't really see out of it and makes it a greenhouse and a, yep. on a slightly warm day it was hot as buggery in there so that wasn't a nice experience at all um a bit of a side hot from the horse racing they live broadcast the statements from the stewards hearings mm. i really enjoyed that Is yeah get a, we can get a bit of that going on in motorsport yeah a few short people slagging <laughs> each other off on a microphone it was great oh but we spoke about that we when they had the uh the oh, the the covid racing that they had Mm. Yeah. Uh, we always had Beto come on and he'd explain his decisions, all that sort of stuff. That has to happen. Yeah. That needs to come into to mm. normal racing. Yep. I agree. Uh, World Rally Championship calendar has been released. And as it transpires, Australia and New Zealand continue to not be in the world. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. In fact, it turns out there's not much of the world outside of Europe in the nah. World Rally Championship, nah. it turns yeah. out. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, Super hard, not a super hard not goes to the people who complain about the super cheap oil ad, oh, which yeah. is now oh, apparently please. breaching ad standards. Yeah, no. Come on, get a life. A lot of you. Pathetic. And on a final sad the note. The world is I, stuffed. Oh, it's bugger. Don't even start. And this, and this my final night this here sums, it. sums it up. Right? <laughs> One final sad note. And I've wound up getting myself the Bathurst coin for... $49. Oh, you bought one. Oh, you did. Copping a $35 slaying over the cover price. <laughs> but I'm still $50 better off than what people on eBay are trying to sell. <laughs> oh, well, you got oh, one. That's what I think. Wow. Oh, did you actually buy, buy one? Yeah. Really? Is that yeah. a dot? I would have thought it was a hot. I copped no, it's a $30 re- 35 buck reaming yeah, over he it. bought a 50 cent <laughs> coin for 50 bucks. Oh, well. <laughs> He paid $49.50 more than what not, it's worth. As like I'm not going to put it in a vending machine. It's a memorable keepsake. You know, you know what's going to happen here? Theo's going to find it and spend it on a lolly. It'll be, oh. it'll be a $50 chupper uh, chup. I've never understood it. I bought a $20 program and it's still worth $20 and it's oh, look, a nice oh, keepsake of the event. Oh, I've got a few little coin sets from over the years. It's oh, a nice no, collectible keepsake thing. I'll, I'll, and I'll, I was I'll, there. Good job. Not not buying the coin at the track. No, <laughs> $80. All right. Time to go. Enjoy nice. the weekend, whatever you're doing on the Gold Coast down at Phillip Island with me or just in Call the wherever park. Mark's going to be. Call the park. Call the park. Yeah, Call the park. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Right. We'll talk about it all next week. Bye for Thanks, now. Thanks, boys. And thank you for joining us right here on The Grid.